second episode today we are in conversation with Catherine Mello from Infinite Group welcome catherine we are thrilled to have you as our guest on our show how are you doing thanks shri uh, i'm very good happy to be here thank you so much for inviting me a uh, big fan of zoho so very happy to be here so infinite growth the name sounds synonymous with growth and business development can you tell us what infinite growth does yep so uh Infinite Growth was founded about 6 years ago. It's a sales and business development company as you've mentioned. We plug into the sales cycle and the business development activities of our clients. So whether that means uh lead generation, prospecting, setting up meetings, closing the deal, uh we can plug in into any aspect of their sales cycle. and we determine with the client what activities they need from us and at what point we turn it over to them and in terms of business development we also help our clients grow geographically whether that means getting customers in a new market or finding partners for them in a new market so those are uh, the main activities that we do wow that are a lot of things that uh, infinite growth does Uh I'm curious to know what are the type of clients that Infinite Growth caters to. Yes, so we primarily deal with software and technology companies. So whether these are um software providers, SaaS companies all over the world um that like I mentioned earlier, they are looking for new markets or they want to expand in other markets. Um but we also have clients in the services industry. um but still related to tech so whether that's managed services security services basically um anything to do with um the software and the digital world and aspects of the business okay so where are you actually based in like infinite growth as a company yes we are um located in oakville ontario canada It's about thirty forty five minutes outside of Toronto, which might be more recognizable to uh, people around the world. But yes, we are located in um, Oakville, Canada. Right. So before we dive into conversing about infinite growth and your role as a sales enablement manager, can you tell us about your previous endeavors? Uh sure. So I uh, graduated from my MBA from Schulich School of Business in Toronto. um in June of 2020 and prior to that I was a retail operations manager for Starbucks Canada for about 5 or 6 years and I've always been in revenue operations so when I was in Starbucks I was a store manager client facing but also uh, managing internal operations um and during my MBA I had the chance to finish or uh, complete my work term in Singapore as a business development consultant for a company that also did um it was a it was a very um diverse firm I'll say that about its business activities um but I was mostly involved in um uh, business development for a learning management software during my uh work term during my MBA so from 
from the retail management background, transitioning into tech and sales, having that work term in Singapore was a very good um, starting point prior to my uh, sales enablement manager role today. I really love the transition that you had. I think not everybody will be able to have such a transition in uh, such an early part of their career. I mean, yeah, it's um, it definitely, some of it, I, I want to say that, you know, I planned all of it and I followed my plan from step one to 100, but a lot of it was really just being a little lucky. No, a lot lucky, I should say. Being a lot <laughs> lucky and just having a wide uh, net in terms of interests and um, possibilities because I know... Uh, a lot of my peers in the MBA had very specific career goals. But for me, uh, my undergrad was in history. So this was my first exposure to uh, the business world and, and that kind of, you know, very rigorous discipline-oriented study. Um, so for me, it was about just being really interested. I've always been interested in tech. And because of my professional experience with Starbucks, um, sales was just part of my uh, professional toolkit, I should say. So I didn't really have anything specific in mind coming out of or com- going into the MBA, but somehow in the cross section of you know all my interests and my activities, I was able to uh, do a transition. And um, yeah, got. I, I have to say, I was also just really lucky. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so glad your plans worked for you. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah. So for a sales and business development company like yours, I'm sure clients expect you to incorporate the latest technology available in their respective fields. Could you elaborate on the importance of an efficient and cost-effective software that caters to the client's needs? Um, absolutely. So as I have mentioned earlier, we, oh, or maybe not, yet but uh, we are uh, currently working from home as is about 99% of our client base um, so it's really all of our business activities right now is virtual done over the internet over phone lines um, so it's really data driven so our clients are Uh, software and technology companies so they themselves understand how important being efficient not just being efficient but being effective um, is so for us that really means being very strategic and very driven by data quality and for our clients that means the quality of the data that we can provide so that means we need to have a market leader in terms of you know lead generation in terms of organizing our data in terms of presenting our data um because it's one thing to have you know you could have all the right data in the world but if you can't present it properly or if you can't use it properly if you can't transform it into actionable data then we wouldn't be in business because we wouldn't be providing any value to our clients. So yes, they have our clients expect us to have the right data and expect us, uh, it's bare minimum of them to expect us to be able to 
make that data actionable and valuable for them. And we can only do that when we have the right tools and the right processes in our uh, business to make sure that we meet those needs for our clients. So as you had mentioned, Infinite Growth is a global company. How do you as a company deal with competition and stay at the top of the game? This one is always, you know, a challenging aspect of the business. Um, we are uh, we are a global company. We have clients in uh, Europe. We have clients in Asia uh, who are uh, looking to expand into uh, North America, whether that's through partnerships or a new customer base. Um, and I think one of the ways that we differentiate ourselves is we are a more active and engaged um, organization than, say, a traditional lead generation company. We are deeply involved in the sales activity of our clients. We are an extension of their team. And I think us being able to communicate that with our clients and really proving our value by, as I mentioned before, giving them not just data, not just good quality data, but actionable data. Um, and when we can demonstrate that we've done this for other clients, when we can point to other successful clients who have found their partners or who have expanded their customer base or have landed a meeting with a uh, target prospect that they've had for quite some time, when we can point to those successes, that's um, how we manage to uh, stay at the top of the game and, and remain competitive with uh, other similar firms out there. I completely agree that it's not just data that we should uh, give them, but actionable data. Yeah, exactly. Because if I could give you, you know, 10,000 rows of contacts in North America, but if I didn't, if that wasn't updated or if that wasn't relevant to the search or if those are 10,000 records for the wrong industry, then it's not useful for you and it was a waste of time for me to get it. So absolutely. Yeah, coming with that. So recently I came across a report which said 15% of businesses still use spreadsheets for organizing their day-to-day -day customer centric activities. What's your take on this? So I think it can be, so spreadsheets are uh, a gift from God, I would say. Like it's very useful, you know, it's very, whoever came up with the idea of the table in history to organize it into rows and columns, very smart, probably revolutionized how we organize data. In, in our heads. Um, and it's extremely useful for specific cases. Um, spreadsheets can be a really good starting point for managing your sales pipeline or just for organizing, you know, many different kinds of data that you have. And that's great. If you're starting out as a business, that's, you know, that's where everyone starts. Everyone's probably started it out on a piece of paper and just organizing it and then moved over to a spreadsheet when it became a little bit more complex. But I think as the company matures and grows and has, you know, more and more customers that are at different stages and as the business process becomes more complex, I think a spreadsheet can be more difficult 
to manage. Um, and especially if it's if that's your single source of truth for business activities in your organization and it needs to be passed around between like if I were to send you a spreadsheet and let's say you update it on your end, but you don't send me the updated version because that can happen, especially, you know, if it's not on the cloud and if it's not a shared worksheet just the the accuracy of spreadsheets when it starts to get passed around it becomes highly questionable. So I think spreadsheets are good starting point, but as you mature and grow, they might become more a liability than something useful for the business. Right. As a sales enablement manager, what are the two main factors that you would consider when planning to adopt a software such as a CRM for your team to improve sales and customer relationships? Yeah, so that's always uh, something I think about whenever I have to, when I'm, when I'm looking at tools, because we're still, we're never going to be done improving our software toolkit. So whenever I look at um, anything, any tool or any, um, software that that my team wants me to look at I need to it needs to be it needs to be simple it needs to be and by that I mean it needs to be straightforward like it shouldn't have anything extra that I don't need or if it had that ex, you know that extra stuff it has to be extremely customizable and I'm saying this as someone who has come from a like the industry leader or you know one of the bigger industry players in terms of CRM like I've used that and um, and I understand that you know it's in a certain position but for me for our business process it was one extremely difficult to navigate and two when I started customizing it it was just it was not user friendly at all. It was very, there were too many steps to change a field. And that was very, that was disempowered. Like it was the opposite of empowering. It was very frustrating. And so whenever I look at a new tool or a new software that we need to consider, it has to be those two things immediately. It needs to be simple and straightforward, has the features that we need and number two, if it has extra features, I as an administrator should have the uh, capability to tailor it to exactly what our organization needs. Because it just because we have different clients who need different things and different reports, uh, and I need to be able to deliver on those needs um, quite easily as well. Yeah, I completely agree with your choice of features. There's one thing I would like to add to the add to the set of features that you had mentioned. Nurturing flow. A flow to develop relationships with your lead and nurture them through the buying process. I personally believe it has a huge impact on the results of your inbound marketing strategy, customer loyalty, customer retention, revenue and more. I also read your blog post that spoke on the importance of a nurturing flow for B2B businesses. Could you take us through some of the important points that you had mentioned in the post? Yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you for reading my blog. Mostly, <laughs> I just I just 
write what I'm learning uh, on the job in it just to help me understand what I'm learning as well. Um, so that one, the most recent one that I posted about nurturing flow in the B2B sales um, workflow, uh, there were four specific lessons that I've outlined there. Uh, and the four big words from it are standardize, customize, integrate, and automate. And um, in under each of those sort of umbrella terms, well, sorry, let me take a t- step back and say nurturing flow, like the idea of that for me comes from uh, a lot of different sources. But for me, flow is an idea um, that I came across a few years ago um, by, I think, a psychologist uh, whose whose name I can't remember. But it's basically flow is a state of work where you're most productive because you're not interrupted. Um, and I think we all can sort of sort of understand flow because we've all been. This is this is a point during our work days where we just feel you know really good about the work that you're doing and. You haven't been, you haven't been interrupted by an email or a phone call for a specific amount of time, and that's when you sort of get really creative and productive. But the other thing about it is that it's such a short period of time; it's like a burst of of, of inspiration and clarity, right? And to nurture that and to to develop that and create it, which is why to me I think nurture was very important because it's nurturing is an ongoing process like you need to constantly develop that that flow so for me the the biggest idea behind nurturing flow is uh what's the what's the easiest that i can make this for my team so i know you mentioned the pipeline nurturing flow in the pipeline and that's that's ultimately the end goal is to make it easier for our clients clients right but as the sales enablement manager for our organization my clients, my customers, so to speak, are is our team. So to me, I have to nurture flow for them. I have to make their jobs super easy as much as possible. And to me, that comes across as having the fewest possible clicks for them. Like that's the clearest metric that I can think for it is have the fewest possible clicks. So if it if logging a call on the CRM used to take 15 clicks, I have to figure out, well, first of all, how what kind of data is um, being asked for? Like what kind of data has to be inputted? Um, and that's the standardizing part. So I just need to, what is the, what is the standard amount of data that we need for each call? And then customizing. So I customize the CRM environment to capture just the data that we need, nothing more, nothing less. And then because we use different tools, I have to integrate those tools because if I don't, then that, if those two tools aren't talking to one another, then that has to be a a download upload situation, which is just, you know, you could lose data that way again. So I have to integrate our tools. And when I've, when I've, identified the proper flow from a b c then and if it's a repeated task then i just automate that i can just click settings i can create the flow inside the crm or whatever tool we're using to make 
our team's life so much easier. Because if this is a repeatable task and I can automate it for you, if I can remove 10 clicks from that 15-click journey, then I think um, I've successfully done my job. And if uh, I should say, if I've preserved the data quality from beginning to end, somewhere there. So I think that's that's really, those are really the big learning points for me. Um, those four major steps, uh, standardize, customize, integrate, automate. And I still, in some way or another, I mean, obviously, because we're developing new workflows every day, because we're learning about our clients' campaigns every day. So, yeah, I just, it's a an ongoing learning journey of nurturing flow for our, for our team, which in turn translates to higher value and bigger wins for our clients as well. It is very insightful of what you had shared. So I'm going to rewind a little bit, like rewind to the past few months. In the phase that we were all in in 2020, how do you think having a nurturing flow would have helped businesses sustain clients and also in closing deals of the leads that they would have gotten during that period? To say that 2020 was a uh, challenging and difficult year is is just sort of the the most obvious statement that I can make about that. But I think um, what really got in the way of any clarity or flow during 2020 was just even as we were six months deep into the work from home situation we just didn't know like the the future was so vague and so unknowable and it already is on a day-to-day measure but throw in a pandemic in there where everyone is you know knocked out of their normal working habits and it just it became even uh, harder to understand what we would be doing one quarter from now or two quarters from now so I think in terms of uh, sustaining clients during 2020 and, you know, trying to think of it in terms of nurturing flow. And again, because the idea of nurturing flow is just removing roadblocks. It's just making it easier. I think being adaptable and sort of, for example, we had a deal we had, you know, prior to February of 2020, we had a deal. It was going to be a six month. Um, campaign, a business development campaign for you. And then the pandemic hit. And suddenly, both of us, your clients, my clients, you know, were taking a hit financially. And even though we would, let's say that deal was scheduled, you know, March, and it would have cost, you know, X amount of dollars, I think, to be very candid, and, you know, in, in Knowing what we know now about 2020, I think it would have been the the flow there would have been, hey, I know we signed this contract. Let's take a step back and maybe, you know, let's both take ourselves off that hook and sort of renegotiate and adjust because we can't business was not normal in 2020. So creating flow in 2020 means and actually going into 2021 means being more adaptable and being more empathetic with with clients and customers and being open to those discussions because I think the normal rules of business didn't really apply 100% for 2020. So even the idea of nurturing flow and closing deals in 2020 means being more empathetic and sympathetic to clients and and maybe sort of reimagining what value means in 2020 and that's very specific to the client. Like if what you thought was valuable 
prior to that pandemic, maybe just, you know, a smaller slice of that or a smaller version of that would have been valuable for you. And we could have adjusted so that we go after that new thing rather than what we agreed to bore. Uh, I think being, being sympathetic um, and being human first is the, the version of flow for business 2020 onwards. I think it is very well put. And I kind of agree with each and every point that you had mentioned. Uh, since we have been speaking about the pandemic times, could you tell us what were the surprising positives you came across from a business standpoint? This is, and this actually comes from my previous answer, which is we had um, clients who were willing to do exactly just that, who were saying, hey, we don't really know what's going to happen. Can we, instead of a full stop, it's just a pause. Let's just hit pause for now. Let's see what happens in a quarter, two quarters from now, and we'll go from there. So I think that's one of the uh, biggest surprising positives is the, the, the optimism. And I guess you do have to be an optimist if you're going to be in business, right? But I think, yeah. but I think just the, the level of, of shared optimism and the level of it, everyone was just forward looking and 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 this this isn't really well you know it's not really surprising but to me we all we we always came across clients who were still in product development who you know asked for a call a quarter or two quarters or a few weeks from now so so that kind of um you know and, and i did say business as normal didn't exist in 2020, but in, to some extent it did. And just having those two contrasts throughout 2020 and going into 2021 is, is extremely surprising and it's just very, you know, heartwarming and, and it, it makes me be more optimistic and just sort of like really root for, for, for our clients and for, for us to, get back on track um, after this pandemic. I think that was something that we as a business had also seen. I think we came to see a humane side of everybody. Mm -hmm. Instead of just seeing it as a business, I think people were humane with each other. People understood everybody's plight. And I think that's how we are still growing and also recovering from the pandemic. Yeah, that's very good. This has been a very insightful conversation so far. And I think it's time we lighten things up with a game. Are you familiar with two truths and a lie? Yes, yes, I am. Amazing. We'll be playing this based on facts and fiction from the sales and marketing field. I will say all three statements and you can tell us which one you think is a lie. Shall I proceed? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So statement one. Email is almost 40 times better at acquiring new customers than Facebook and Twitter. Statement 2. It takes an average of 4 cold calls attempts to reach a prospect. Statement 3. Retaining current customers is 6 to 7 times less costly than acquiring new ones. Which one do you think is a lie? Okay, so I know for sure that Customer retention is cheaper, consider way more cost effective than getting new ones. So that's for sure. I I am pretty sure 
it takes like unless you're super lucky four cold calls sounds it's at least like just know also just from managing multiple crms i just i i think it takes way more than that like it takes way more than four touch points to successfully even just land a meeting so and then the other one about email i think email it gets a bad rep but i think like i'm still responsive on email and so so i think i think that's true i think the email one is true i think uh retaining is definitely cheaper so cold calling you need to call you need to have thick skin for sales and that's because it will take longer than four calls i think so number two yeah yeah you're absolutely right it it takes an average of eight cold call attempts to reach a prospect yeah that sounds that sounds exactly like what my team is telling me (laughs) yeah yeah i was really amazed when i came across this fact I was like eight cold calls and with the amount of leads that any business gets, that's a lot of patience that a sales rep needs to have. Oh yeah, exactly. That's why, that's why, you know, salespeople get a bad rap, but they, they bring in the money. So we should, we should all be nicer to salespeople. Yeah, very true. Well, that was certainly fun. Before we conclude this episode, could you share a quote or a personal mantra that resonates with you and inspires you? Yeah. So I think one of the, this is actually one of the things that um, I got from reading Atomic Habits by James Clear and is something that's proven true uh, this year. And I think going forward, it's uh, progress requires unlearning which is a bit counterintuitive because, you know, progress means going forward and, you know, learning also means going forward. But I think uh, to progress and to get to the next level, what got you to one level will not be enough to get you to the next level. So uh, that applies to me with what I'm learning and that applies to a lot of things that I want to achieve. Um, so progress requires unlearning. So it's as, it's equally valuable to learn new things as it is to let go of old knowledge or outdated habits or habits that have become uh, less valuable over time. So that's it. Thank you so much for doing this with us. We are glad to have you as our uh, guest in in our podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. Hope you enjoyed the second episode with Infinite Group. Check out our description box for further details. Follow us on Twitter at Zoho CRM to get the latest updates on the show. If you have any queries or suggestions, write to us at the email ID given in the description box below. I am your host Srividya and make sure to tune in next month for the next episode. You're listening to the Zoho CRM Podcast. Bye, bye.